everybody, welcome to episode number 75 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Chris, not only is this episode number 75, this is our end of the year extravaganza. Pal, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I would say that we've been rolling pretty strong now for almost two years yes our two-year anniversary is actually coming up at the end of next month what i like to do on these end of the year shows i i I try to put something together where we're not focused so much on the darker side of humanity i want to have something that's a little bit uplifting and uh, i i think in some ways we have that tonight and i may be wrong but uh I hope I'm right. So, uh, Chris, with all that said, let's get into it. Because I find this, as we say every week, <laughs> to be one of the most <laughs> intriguing cases we've ever covered here on BTC. We constantly <laughs> want to keep you guys intrigued. <laughs> because every time I, I start uh, dabbling through the pages of the internet here, I find one story that's more interesting than the next. I mean, this one really takes the cake. Because I, I do vaguely remember this when it happened but i don't remember the sheer media madness that uh took place at the time of this uh story here so what do you say we hop right into it chris because tonight my good people we are discussing none other than the case of colton harris moore and you may be more familiar with this case being referred to as the Barefoot Bandit. I know Colton hates the name The Barefoot Bandit because it was indeed media-derived, but nonetheless, it was catchy and it stuck. So from uh, <laughs> this point forward, I mean, you know, Colton Harris-Moore is kind of intertwined with being The Barefoot Bandit, like it or not. And if anyone's either seen the movie Catch Me If You Can or know the story of Frank Abagnale Jr. This has similar vibes. We have a young kid who uh, kind of gets in a little bit of trouble or, you know, and in and, and Colton's case, I guess, didn't have a great upbringing, but these kids are just pure genius. What they're capable of doing at such a young age and, and with little help, literally just doing it all on their own. So uh, we're, we're gonna have some pretty, you know, this is a pretty amazing story, and, and some of the things this kid does will, will just shock you. Well, that's the thing that I find interesting about this entire case is you don't really know how to go about it because, you know, there are crimes that are committed, <laughs> pretty big crimes, but the way he goes about doing it, like you said, it's very impressive regardless. And, you know, you factor in his age at the time. This was a teenager. It makes it all the more impressive so you could see how this could be a, a hot topic for debate. And uh, we're going to get into all that. But Chris, as I like to say, and I have to say it on our end of the year episode, we need to go backwards to go forward. Chris, why don't you give us a little background on old Colton here? What you got? Glad you asked. So Colton Harris Moore was born in Mount Vernon, Washington. Ooh, your hometown. <laughs> Isn't it always? <laughs> uh, he grew up in his mother's house in Kamano Island. Apparently, at a very young age, even the neighbors noticed that there was some troubles at home. Uh, they would actually call Child Protective Services, and his father ends up leaving his, uh, the family at a young age. His mother 
remarried and you know there there was just issues ever since he he was young and and even noted that starting at the age of 7 is when he really started to live in the wild and that makes a lot of sense because when you have a troubled home life and you basically have no sanctuary. Like, your home is supposed to be your haven. It's supposed to be a place where you feel safe. So when you don't have that safety net available to you, you oftentimes have to go outside of the home and look for solace somewhere else. And apparently that's exactly what Colton did here. And he found, you know, that comfort and that solace in the woods, in the wilderness, Chris, as you had alluded to. This actually comes into play later because a lot of the issues that police will have is the fact that this kid knows the woods well. And so he's able to to survive out there. He's familiar with the woods because he's been living out there since he's been about seven, or at least on and off. More importantly, he's able to become a ghost once he hits the woods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're dealing with not only a bright young kid, but someone who has experience with the wilderness. Basically a survivalist. Exactly, and I think they even... Uh, kind of label him as such uh, later on. Well, there, there's no denying that this kid is brilliant, and he has, however you might want to look at it, a very strong work ethic to a, to a degree. It might not be honest work, but, you know, this kid does not stop. He keeps going and going and going. But uh, we're going to get into all that. Let's just continue down the road on Colton's childhood here for a little bit. So Colton's mom said, and I quote here, that there was something off about him, sort of a disconnection. Well, you know, when kids go through trauma and they have to seek peace in their own ways and they're not getting the support that they need at home from their parents, uh, yeah, there is going to be a, a bit of a disconnection because you have to, in many ways, be your own parent to uh, see your way through with this adversity. So, Chris, with this unstable home life that Colton was in, you know, that led to, as you can imagine, trouble at school. Colton wouldn't listen to his teachers. He would start fights at school. And apparently he even began breaking things. So you're coupling an unstable home life with the fact that he's acting out at school. We could see right away that Colton is going down a very bad road and he's on a very destructive path. As we had said before, Chris, his solace was being in the woods, and he really, for all intents and purposes, became a very good hunter and gatherer. <laughs> and when I say gatherer, I mean uh, a thief, because he would break <laughs> into uh, certain vacation homes, and within those homes, he would take whatever was available, whether it be blankets or food and whatnot. This would enable him to stay out in the woods, out in his forest for a longer period of time. Now he had, you know, some kind of protection from the um, elements and the necessities of food and water. As you can imagine, this is a precursor of things to come. And Colton begins taking things to the next level. Am I right? Right, you be, and this happens at the the for, for the first time at the age of twelve when he's actually convicted for stolen property, um, and that's in two thousand three. Uh, I don't know if we noted that he was actually born in nineteen ninety one, um, so now at the age of twelve, we're talking about two thousand three when his first conviction uh, actually takes place. It's a year later where there's an additional three more uh, convictions of stolen property, so it's kind of starting to pile up and. At this age, 
he's being convicted, he's being caught. Each of these convictions, though, really only gives him about a 10-day stay in a detention center, sometimes community service, and then over the years, eventually, his sentence will, will be a little more. But again, we're talking about somebody who's a minor. We're, we're not talking about real jail time. He eventually makes his way into a halfway house where he has a three-year sentence. Prior to this three-year sentence at the halfway house, Colton was never sentenced to any place for more than a month. So the authorities had no idea what kind of Houdini they were dealing with. But boy, oh boy, did they find out in April of 2008. Because Chris, that is when 17-year-old Colton Harris Moore decided to break free from the halfway house that he was sentenced to and start off on a new adventure. Self-destruct sequence activated. So the exact date of uh, Colton's escape from the halfway house was April 22nd of 2008. And he remains quietly on the lam, as they say, for nearly two months. That was until on July 18th of 2008 that Colton crashed a stolen car into a grocery store, no less. Although Colton did walk away from the accident unscathed, he left behind a valuable piece of evidence, and that was his backpack. Inside was a digital camera, and on that camera, Chris, was what they call in today's world a selfie. So now, if nothing else, the police at least have an idea of who the hell is behind this crash. What the crazy thing is here, when... Colton left this halfway house. They know that he's heading back, or likely heading back, to his home area in Kamano Island. There's actually a point where, and this is according to his mother, that he actually stops at the house whilst being a fugitive. The mom makes him breakfast, he eats, and then he splits. And then the cops show up to her home and ask her, have you seen Colton recently? She says, yeah, I just had breakfast with him this morning. And the police were pissed. <laughs> and Kristen, we actually have a clip <laughs> of the mom being interviewed about this very thing. And uh, let me plug that in there right now so you can hear from uh, Colton's mom. One morning he came and uh, I figured he was hungry, like he was always hungry. And he loves my breakfasts because I make homemade hash browns that I grate up myself and uh, so I made him a big breakfast and we sat there and talked and after he left the cops came and uh, they asked me the same old question have you seen Colt they said yeah we just sat down and had breakfast together god did they get mad and uh, well you know that that's harboring and I said he's my kid if he's hungry, I'm going to feed him. I don't care if it's harboring him or not. So even Colton's mom picked up on the fact that uh, the police were not too pleased with her. It, it, the crazy thing is, too, is, is that this kid is so elusive that he's committing crimes within a, like a one-mile radius of basically where his mom is, and they can't find him. They cannot catch him. Well, that goes back to what we said about him being out in those woods from, what, the age of seven on. So he must know those things like the back of his hands. And you know how easy it is to get lost on a trail when you go inside any kind of densely uh, forested area. If you have insight to those trails or caves or whatnot, whatever the case may be, inside the forest, 
you're miles ahead of the game. He he goes a little further here, and and he and like we said, we told you this guy's this kid's got brains. He starts to break into um, police stations and fire stations. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Chris, but I actually saw the news feed on uh, the time he broke into the fire department. And I mean, it's just unbelievable. Had nobody sees this kid. And like you said, this is all basically taking place in the area in which he grew up. It's not a very big place. And I mean, just think about how frustrating that must be to the police and to the authorities in general. Because now (laughs) I think this kid is pretty much just playing games with them. But get this, for the most part, it was noted that he would steal cars in some instances, Chris, and return them spotless and with a full tank of gas. Because if his goal was just to steal cars, why would he even give a shit about returning it in decent shape? And filling up the gas tank, for that matter. So now that Colton is on the run, and at this point, an actual fugitive, he's stealing these cars, he's breaking and entering into different businesses and whatnot... Colton's situation is going from bad to worse. So the police oftentimes come into close contact with Colton. But here's the thing. He's an escape artist. So regardless, this kid always finds a way to escape. And I was actually watching a documentary on him called Fly, Colt, Fly. It's kind of unique because it's half acted out like live action and half of it is animated but the way they do it's really cool there's actually a scene where colton steals this car and he speeds past police i don't know if that actually happened the way it was portrayed in this uh documentary but let's just go with that right now because it has colton (laughs) driving up behind a police car and then whipping right past them so much so that the cop drops the coffee that's in his hand <laughs> and leads them on essential <laughs> leads them on a high speed chase and then uh Colton then while the cop is uh right behind him Colton then jumps out of the speeding vehicle gets up <laughs> unharmed mind you Chris unharmed somehow jumping out of a speeding vehicle without getting hurt he does that he's staying on the side of the road and gives the cops a finger runs into the woods and is not seen again. So, if nothing else, this kid has balls. I'll fucking see ya. (laughs) With that said, his ability to break into these places and escape and taunt the authorities began to make him somewhat of a a folk hero. And I'll be honest with you, Chris, (laughs) the more I looked into this case the more I could see how exactly that happened. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You almost are rooting for him. You know, obviously, if he was stealing from your home or my yes, that, <laughs> or for me, it, well, it's a little different story. But uh, because, of course, it has nothing to do with us. <laughs> yeah, and I should preface this by saying, no, these crimes are not cool in any way. You break into someone's home, you get what you fucking serve. He's just lucky that he never broke into a home where someone was locked and loaded and, and ready to go because then it would be game on. Right, right. One of the things that he used to basically make sure that no one was in the home was one of the things he stole from a police station, and that was an infrared camera. He broke in and had the wits <laughs> to, to find this or to realize that they would have an infrared camera, stole it, and then use it to see if anyone was in one of the homes that he was trying to break into. I mean, (laughs) 
the fucking balls. And, and the genius of it all. The pure genius. And he also uh, apparently even stole some, you know, some cash and a safe from one of the stations by what, what looked to be just a pry bar, which I don't know what the hell kind of safe that is that he can get in with a pry bar. But, you know, he, he was able to get what he needed and, and he didn't need much, right? Because he's really good at living in the woods. But one of the things that, that kind of, and I'm not going to say this, this makes him Robin Hood or anything, but there's actually a situation where he actually leaves a note and a hundred dollars at a veterinary clinic and the note says, drove by, had some extra cash, please use this money for the care of animals. And he signed it, Colton Harris Moore. But, I mean, you, you can't hate the kid, almost. Well, that's the thing, you know, it's weird that he would sign it, and it was signed uh, Colton Harris Moore, a.k.a. the Barefoot Bandit. So, as much as he says that he does not like this name, he, he's still going by that moniker, and I guess he could have left the money with uh, out signing it. So I think there's a part of him that wants to be known as this sort of Robin Hood figure because <laughs> there's actually a woman that's interviewed in the documentary, Fly Colt Fly. She basically alluded to the fact that he went from being Robin Hood to John Dillinger, basically saying that in the beginning, people were kind of rooting for him. But at this point now, there've been so many break-ins that the entire area around Kamano Island is on edge, you know? Because you don't know when your house is going to be fucking next. So, like you said, Chris, it's easy for us to say, oh, wow, you know, that's crazy that he did all this. It's just interesting. But, you know, the the tune changes when it's your house, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. So this woman says, this is no longer some fairy tale. You know, now we're getting fucking pissed off. I'm wondering if Colton actually left that $100 at the shelter as a way to kind of sway the public back into his favor. You know what I mean? It's possible. I mean, you're still talking about a kid, so he, you know, he might want to be liked. And it's, I think it's clear that he enjoyed doing what he was doing. It's not like the kid had no choice. You know what I mean? Like, he's doing things, and, and the amount of times he's doing it, it's almost like he just wants to challenge himself further and further and wants to get better at doing this and maybe he didn't like what he was being portrayed as yes that's true and i actually listened to some more recent interviews with colton and he pretty much alludes to what you just said basically saying that he's always kind of believed in himself and that human beings oftentimes don't push themselves to their full ability and they don't realize what they're actually capable of so he's kind of living up to that motto even though you know, the things that he is doing are illegal and they're not something to be praised, but he is proving that he has some extraordinary ability to do some pretty insane things. And as of right now, Chris, it was breaking and entering and stealing motor vehicles. But things begin to get a little crazier. Am I right, Chris? Right you are, because it appears that Colton wants to get his wings. And at least he's interested in learning something new. And so what first happens is there is a record of 
a credit card being stolen from a restaurant, Colton purchases handbooks and manuals for how to fly a plane, has them sent to the restaurant where he stole their credit card from. Come on, man. Tracks the package. Once it arrives, he waits. He breaks into that restaurant and steals his package <laughs> and splits. <laughs> Which is... I mean, I, I don't even know what to, to say about this, Chris. It's just crazy. The cojones. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> what's funny, you know, there, there's oftentimes there, there's a lot of uh, misconstrued information within the media, if you could believe it, Chris. Not not, not the U.S. media, of course, right? They're, they're, they're all fucking gems. <laughs> Never that, no. <laughs> they're all fucking gems. But uh, I, I just recently watched another interview with Colton, and the media reported that he ordered... Uh, how to fly small airplane DVDs and a flight simulator. And Colton swears, and I don't know, I believe him, that he has never once in his life used a flight simulator. He said, how the fuck could he? Because he was living out in the woods, right? You know, like, so right. he, what he did was like you stated, that he used the books. You know, he would purchase books and whatnot and use that. And, and it should also be noted that from his early childhood, Colton was obsessed with aviation. And if you hear him talk now, he sounds like a fucking professional. <laughs> he, he also apparently would visit the, you know, these airports and just basically scope them out and, and, and kind of just watch planes land and take off, you know, just, just to sort of get a visual of how it was done as well, not just reading a book. I mean, we're talking about a kid who has left at the age of 17, has been out you know, being a criminal, whatever, no, untouchable since the age of 17. Now, still as a teenager, he's reading books on how to fly a plane. And you bet your ass he's serious about this. Well, the documentary shows, well, it's acted out, but it shows him riding this bicycle up to these different um, airports, like these, these small uh, airports where they would hold these Cessnas and whatnot. And, he would actually take notes on, like you were saying, how it takes off, how they land and whatnot. He was basically trying to study and take in anything that he could. So Chris, after he crashes into this grocery store and takes that uh, beautiful selfie of himself, Colton decides to take things up a notch. And uh, when I say take things up a notch, Chris, I mean take things to the sky. That's right, pal. Because we come to find out that on November 12th of 2008, Colton, <laughs> Harris Moore, decides to steal an airplane. That's right, Chris. 17-year-old Colton Harris Moore, who has never flown an airplane before, decides that now's the time to steal an airplane and take to the friendly skies. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure can, because on November 12th of 2008, which is a mere seven months after escaping the halfway house, Colton steals a Cessna 182. And this Cessna belongs to Seattle DJ on KZOKFM, Bob Rivers. <laughs> Bobby Rivers! <laughs> From Orcas Island, Washington... And for his first flight, he doesn't too uh, too bad, actually. He travels 250 miles before he 
actually crashes the plane in an Indian reservation near Yakama, Washington. I would say that was a successful flight. 250 miles of travel on the first shot. Didn't die. The most important thing and the most impressive thing is that he did not die. The, the plane is, I think, kind of roughed up pretty good, but obviously not to the point where, where he was killed. So he did it. He actually flew a plane based off reading books. Uh, you know, you got to choose your words carefully when discussing stuff like this because, you know, you don't want it to seem as if uh, we're glorifying these type of things. But nonetheless, it, 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 it is impressive to a degree because he was able to survive and he learned everything that he knew about flying from a book and never having actual physical experience flying. After this debacle, Colton survives, as we said, a little banged up, but uh, really no worse for wear. At this point, Colton's back on a ground game, Chris. He's uh, back to breaking and entering into homes. He's stealing automobiles to get around and whatnot. So he branches out into different states because now it's not just confined to Washington State. This time, he finds himself in Bonners Ferry, Idaho. In Bonners Ferry, there's an airport. And do you have any guess who might be showing up at that airport to do something devious? Chris, if you said Colton Harris Moore, you'd be correct. Because we find out that on September 29th of 2009, a little less than a year after his first attempt at flying, Colton is at it again. That is when he steals his second Cessna. And get this, he basically pried the opening to uh, the ignition. He pried that open with a screwdriver to get the plane started. Can you believe this fucking kid? (laughs) Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Everything he does seems to work. He must have learned that from something, right? Like, how do you know that you could just start it with a pry tool? I mean, that's the thing, Chris. This guy uses anything that's at his disposal. The first system that he stole, he went rifling through the owner's uh, uh, some fish tackle box that he had and found the key in there. This time, he uses a screwdriver to, to pry the ignition. I, I think the thing with Colton is that he remains very poised. Like, it doesn't seem like he ever panics. So he's able to stay composed while he's doing any of these criminal activities. And that kind of gives him... The upper hand, where, you know, he's not panicking, he's staying level-headed, and he's able to tackle any kind of obstacle that may be in his way. This time, Chris, you know, he he flies the plane successfully again, lands it, there is damage, but he does survive uninjured. I'm going to guess here, Chris, that the September 29th flight of 2009 was the last time Colton Harris-Moore stole an airplane. Am I right, Aviation Boy? No, actually, you're you're dead wrong. Oh, no, uh, no. <laughs> uh, you couldn't be more wrong. Actually, yeah. <laughs> this is not the way to end the year, Chris. <laughs> Just a mere uh, five months later, Colton is at it again, and, and and this time he steals a Cirrus plane. He takes this and flies to nearby Orca's Island. Now, remember, before he had actually stolen a plane from Orca's Island, this time he's stealing it from Anacortes, and he flies it to uh, approximately around Orca's Island. So if you ask me, 
he's kind of, I think, just learning, right? <laughs> On the job training. He He's taken multiple short flights, relatively short. Other than the fact that it he's stealing planes, he's not actually taking them somewhere where he's going to like a final destination. He's doing it repeatedly. He's got to work on his landing skills because he's been crashing planes a lot. He seems to have trouble sticking the landing, as they say. At this point, Chris, anytime you see a small plane flying around this section of Washington State, you've got to assume that it's Colton flying the plane. So at this point, he's on the run, and they showed a clip from this documentary where at one point they had Colton surrounded um, somewhere in Washington State, right? So he enters the woods, the, the dogs are tracking his scent and whatnot, and it shows this animation as to how the events supposedly played out. And it has Colton running into this chicken coop to steal these chicken eggs. Um, obviously, he needs food and whatnot to stay on the run, and that's exactly what he did. So he goes into the woods, they have him surrounded, they have the short radius, the dogs are barking, everybody's going apeshit crazy, there's a helicopter flying above... And then it just shows him climbing this tree and putting his hoodie over his head and putting his head down. And then suddenly it breaks to morning where it kind of made no sense as to why the search stopped. But apparently it did. And Colton was able to escape being surrounded in tight quarters by authorities yet again. And this is when we find ourselves getting close to the climax of the story here, Chris. Colton knows he's on borrowed time. He's got to get the hell out of Washington. And... After doing DNA analysis and, and fingerprint analysis from that plane that he stole in Idaho, they realized that Colton was flying in and out of the country, coming back and forth from the United States into Canada and back. He created such a stir that the Secretary of Homeland Security was personally notified of what was going on. Now you have the Canadian border and the Department of Homeland Security involved. Everybody's looking for this kid. They thought they had him surrounded. They, they did. And he managed to escape. So he's got to get out of Washington State. So what's he do? He hops in a stolen vehicle and takes off. And this, believe it or not, Chris, is going to lead Colton on his final chase. So he steals another vehicle. And from there, he's crossing various state lines. I think they said that he crossed into six different states using more than a dozen stolen vehicles. So now crossing the state lines leads to prosecution from other states, and then you got all these uh, legal ramifications of that. So what Colton was doing was driving from state to state in stolen vehicles and going to any small airport that he could locate. And from there, he wanted to obviously see if he could steal a plane because the only way out of this was to get the hell out of the country at this point or, and take to the air because sooner or later, they're going to find him if he's on the ground here in the States. And that's what he does. You know, he's going uh, to various states looking for airports and he couldn't find anything that was uh, worthwhile for him. That was until he found a small airport near Bloomington, Indiana. That is when... Colton steals yet another Cessna. <laughs> you got to remember that this kid is still a teenager, right? I think at this point he's 19 and this is nearly two years on the run. So he's eluded authorities for two years. There were Facebook pages created for this kid. He was on every news media outlet on the cover of magazines. And we're going to even come to find out that a, a studio bought the rights to his story. This, that's how popular this became because it was just such a 
it was just such a mindfuck as to how a young teenager can get away with all that. But nonetheless, he did up until this point. And as I said, here we are in Bloomington, Indiana on, get this, Chris, July 4th of 2010, nonetheless, Independence Day. Our man Colton decides to take to the friendly skies yet again. He doesn't take a short flight this time, Chris, because as you had said before, he was giving himself on-the-job training. But this time, he flew 1,200 miles <laughs> to the Bahamas. I say, Chris, did you hear me? <laughs> yes. First off, did you realize that these little planes could fly that long? 1,200 miles? Well, it's... It's funny you actually mentioned that because I was just looking up the range of a Cessna 400 and apparently it's 1,274 miles. Oh, man. So he must have had knowledge as to just how far he could push this plane. Uh, I mean, otherwise we would have been reading a different story. Uh, The fact that this thing has a capacity of 1,274 miles and he uses just about every ounce in the tank. Yeah, and not only that, he has yet another crash landing, but according to witnesses and, and, and from assessing the damage on the plane itself, it is shown that there is not a great deal of damage to the plane. He lands this thing in a mangrove field in Abaco in the Bahamas, Chris, with minimal damage to this plane. I mean, it, it, it just gets more and more impressive, right? <laughs> so this kid crash lands this plane, gets out of it, and just walks away into the Bahamas, you know? And then going back to this documentary, Fly, Colt, Fly, it then shows him just kind of relaxing on the beach and swimming in the ocean, which I'm sure he probably did. So after spending roughly a week in the Bahamas, because we said that he took off on what authorities believe to be July 3rd or 4th, it seems that on July 11th of 2010, the unbelievable happened, Chris. Colton... Harris Moore was captured just before dawn at Harbor Island in the Bahamas. And get this, there was videotape of him (laughs) coming in um, to view on security camera footage, and he was running past the security guard saying that there were people there trying to kill him, because at this point in time, there was a reward for his capture. I think it was like (laughs) $10,000. So some of these local guys in the uh, the Bahamas were like, fuck it, we want this money. So they're chasing him down, guns drawn, according to uh, Colton, and he's running for his life. And there's video surveillance of him running up and down these docks. And now it shows in the video, in the actual video, you know, all the police and spectators, everybody's gathered around, Chris. There's nowhere for him to go. There is nowhere for this kid to run. There's nowhere for him to hide. It is over. Or is it? Because uh, we learned from this documentary, Chris, that Colton appeared to be next to or under some pier, went into the water at night, swam out a bit to a boat that was docked there. And, you know, as the authorities were gathered around, they saw a boat taking off with no lights on it and going very slow. So they thought this was odd. Uh, Chris, could you guess who was in the boat trying to make one last run at this? Old Colton. Oh my god, this kid's a miracle worker. Unbelievable. And he got past them, dude. He got fucking past them. And this officially makes it so that Colton has committed crimes by air, land, and sea. Damn. Great you are, but uh, Chris, 
as I just stated, this is where it all comes to a head. Because now the police see that this <laughs> boat is taking off. The police are now on this. They hop into a civilian's boat that was nearby because they apparently didn't have their own here at the dock. So they hop into this guy's boat with his permission and they begin going after Colton. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, however the hell you want to look at it, Colton was not familiar with the waterways there. And it seems that he hit a sandbar and his boat got stuck. And at this point, the authorities, they don't even give a fuck, bro. They just start firing. They, they start shooting at Colton. <laughs> He's ducking down. They're shooting at the boat to incapacitate it so it can't go anywhere. And then Colton stands up and apparently he had a gun that he put to his head and was threatening to kill himself. They talk him out of doing that. And they take him into custody without incident. We come to find out that on November 18th of 2010, Moore pleaded not guilty in federal court to charges of interstate transportation of a stolen plane, a boat, a gun, and being a fugitive in possession of a firearm <laughs> while flying a plane <laughs> without a pilot's license. Did you get all that, Chris? <laughs> It's truly just incredible. We're talking about a teenager. <laughs> yes, Chris, but this time old Colton could not escape the law. We find out that on January 27th of 2012, Colton Harris Moore was sentenced to six and a half years in prison. But the story doesn't end here, Chris. We do have somewhat of a happy ending because in July of 2016, Colton Harris Moore was released on probation to, uh, dare I say it, halfway house where the story all began uh but this time it seems that he did uh, serve out his sentence without incident and um you can imagine in a case like this after being found guilty and having served his time that he would indeed have to pay restitution for all the thefts and the damage that he uh did to the homes and the planes and he was lucky enough to have hollywood come a knocking because he sold the rights of his story to 20th century fox and the amount that they paid him i think it was 1.4 million or maybe a little bit more that was enough to cover nearly all of the costs i think he still owes a little bit but all in all it seems that he was able to pretty much pay that off which is a miracle in and of itself and as of today, it seems that Colton is living a clean life. And from everything I've seen, he's continuously trying to uh, stay straight and uh, hopefully begin a career in the aviation field. And uh, hopefully he does, because I think he has the ability to do a lot of good. Oh, how's that <laughs> for a positive way to end 2021, Chris? <laughs> Taking us right into the new year. Flying us into the new year. <laughs> Look at me go. Yes, Chris, we are indeed flying into the new year. And uh, hopefully we land in 2022 a little bit better than Colton did on his flights. <laughs> but uh, that's it, Chris. That is the story of Colton Harris Moore. I mean, it's uh, truly a captivating story, regardless of uh, what you think of it. It's uh, insane. But that's it, Chris. That is a wrap on 2021. Bud, we've done it. We've made it to our second year, and our two-year anniversary is right around the corner, and we've got to plan a big uh, show for that one. 
We'll try anyway. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But uh, <laughs> do what we feel. That is it, and uh, we just want to thank you guys for all of your continued support. And one little shout out, of course, uh, to Wikipedia because <laughs> we do use them quite often, and they do have valuable information. And and uh, we actually do make donations to uh, Wikipedia each year. So yeah, everybody um, likes to shit on Wikipedia. I mean, for the most part, they're fine. The good thing about them is they break down the story in a shortened version. So, you know, it's just, it's way better to understand it without having to go through a long, drawn out process, which of course (laughs) works for us because we hate research. Well, I mean, well, we have jobs and families. I mean, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) so yeah, yeah. So just a little shout out to them. Yeah, man. I mean, they, they, they provide an invaluable service and I, I, I realize that. You know, Wikipedia is the joke, but everybody uses them. And, you know, also we're going to throw some shout-outs to the other uh, references that we used tonight. And one was the Barefoot Bandit, Colton Harris-Moore. How do you steal a plane anyway? And that was an article written by my man, Paul LaRosa. He must be uh, Daniel's brother from the Karate Kid. And uh, who else? That's we LaRusso. Use? Yeah, yeah, whatever, Chris. Please, <laughs> let me just finish the year on a positive note. And also, uh, what else do we have here? Herald.net which is some kind of newspaper out of Everett, Washington. And we use them for the Colton Harris Moore timeline. And also that documentary, Fly, Colt, Fly, which was fucking great. If you get a chance to uh, watch that, I certainly recommend it. Um, Because, I mean, it's going to do the story a lot more uh, justice than we did. Uh, So uh, with all that said, Chris, what do you say we wish to find, find people out in podcast land? The fondest. Oh. A farewell.